White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hi! Welcome back to the show. Hello. This is episode thirty. Yes, thirty, thirty, thirty. That number is just I know keeps coming in up in my life. Almost thirty. Woo-hoo. I know. It just keeps daunting. It's hanging over my head, <laughs> like the storm clouds that are in the sky right now. Yep. <laughs> Not quite so dark. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't think you need to feel down about being thirty. I, I think it's a like nice it. round figure, to be honest. Am I finally an adult? Uh, probably I not. really don't feel like What one. do they say? You're only as young as the person you feel. I guess so. I still have dirty socks on my floor. I don't really have myself together, so. <laughs> do you know how to use your washing machine? That's the that's the hard part. Uh, I do. I do. But once you get to fabric softener, it just it's beyond me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you sound pretty grown up to me. Hmm. Thanks, Holly. You're always there to support me. <laughs> talking of support, Ooh, we've had nice we we had yeah thanks. <laughs> we've been talking or asking for some reviews, and this week we've had one. Yay! From someone called Clay UK Two Thousand. That's that's a that's an old school kind of name right there. Is like, that like Clay uh, like, Aiken reference? Don't know. I'm, I'm assuming Clay's a surname. But anyway, thank you for the review. I said, the best podcast on iTunes about living in China. Ooh. A fantastic podcast for anybody interested in China. Also the best podcast for anyone thinking of coming to live and work in the Middle Kingdom. Aww. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. Sorry, I've got a creaky chair. It's not anything else. Don't worry about it. Liar. Mm. <laughs> I know. Beans flange. <laughs> right. Uh, so we've also had a comment on our Facebook page from uh, Ian. Uh, actually, he's commented quite a bit now, which is nice. Thank mm-hmm. you for your support, Ian. Um, and he, so this is in response to our last podcast, episode 29, which was uh, our, oh, our 22 th- things that you should prepare before you come to China. And he says, another great podcast. Thanks. <laughs> Here are some more essentials, and these are actually really good. I fully uh, agree with these. Sun cream. Oh, yeah. Because the bottles in China are really small and expensive, true. And a lot of them have that whitener stuff in, I've, mm. I've noticed. Um, Imodium, <laughs> especially if you come into Sichuan. Uh, we, we can get that in Hong Kong, but yeah, if, you, if you're not going to be anywhere near our neck of the woods, mm. probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, he says deodorant. He says the Chinese brands are useless. Um, I think I used Chinese, a Chinese brand when I first got here, but I do prefer to get those things from Hong Kong as well. Mm-hmm. And you use your Lush brand, don't you? I, you know, I'm all about the Lush. <laughs> no, but uh, I remember, I think it seems like most of the larger department, you know, if you if you live in a big city and there's a care for, a lot of times they'll carry Nivea for Nivea, some reason yeah, is everywhere. Do, yeah. And Dove, I think, as well. Yeah, so I can usually consistently find the little roll-on yes. for Nivea yes. pretty much everywhere. So, yeah, yeah. if you have a particular brand that you like, mm. that's definitely a good thing. Yeah. Or if you know you have a particular, like, strong, like you... Musk. Musk, yes, <laughs> thank you. Maybe yeah. for men, maybe, I'm guessing maybe Ian's talking from a male perspective. Mm. Maybe male deodorants are not very good. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So anyway, um, good point. Yes. 
Thanks, Ian. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one he says about uh, tea bags. Ian's from the UK, so this is a this is an important thing to have. PG tips, tea bags. Although personally, I'd go. I'm a Yorkshire tea girl. I'd rather have my Yorkshire tea tea bags. So funny. I mean, I get I get it because obviously English tea is very different from Chinese tea. But for all the tea in China, I know <laughs> it's just for it's for a different occasion. Like I, I quite I I also it's like enjoy, a treat or something. Yeah, on a if I if I'm like not doing anything on a weekend, I can get up and I can make myself some toast and a cup of tea. Man, it's like the best thing ever. Where are you from again? <laughs> so Seriously? British. You want a crumpet? Oh, <laughs> I had crumpets Ooh. though. They were so good. Crumpets are awesome. I always thought that they were cookies. Like in my mind, I don't know. Growing up, I always thought a crumpet was a cookie. <laughs> but then I found out it's like a, it's like a sort of like a biscuit, I guess. But it's like drenched in butter. But but for those in the UK, not a biscuit like we know biscuits. Oh, sorry, like, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, you guys know what a crumpet is. We don't need to talk about it. Um, well, apart from those other people out there, it's a it's a. Circular, spongy, like spongy piece of bread, yeah, with holes in it. You don't. You're not making it sound. You're not making it sound appealing. I know. At all. I know. I'm not doing a commercial really, for really, it. Really. But how would you describe it? No, I mean we you can't. Taste. You can't make it sound good. It, it, but it's, it's brilliant. Good. But when you talk, when you talk about it, it just yeah, sounds, it sounds like you gross. are gonna eat an actual sponge. Yeah, and it looks kind of like a sponge. It does, and it's got that texture. Like if yeah. you squish it in your fingers, it's like. Ugh. Um, but it's awesome, drenched in it butter. Is. Oh yeah! You could put, you could make it savory or sweet. That's the genius of a crumpet. <laughs> How do we get on crumpets again? <laughs> uh, Ian's from the UK, oh. and I'm from the UK, and we like tea. <laughs> you Brits. So Ian's final point, and this is so useful. He says, also remember when you're at the ATM, the cash comes out first, not the card. Oh. This is insane. I don't understand the logic behind this at all. And if anyone knows why they do this, please let me know. Because the amount of people I have seen, especially foreigners, almost walk away without the card is mm. unreal. And I know people who've done it here and they're like, oh, like I lost my card and I've got to go to the bank and claim the card. Mm-hmm. I've done it. It's insane. like it's not like that in the in the US, is it? No, I'm I've sure never I've, had I'm it. sure I've used an ATM in the US. I just can't remember. Well, and even here, you know, I'm usually pretty careful. But mm. that one time, because you know, when you're really in a rush, you grab your money, you yeah, think you're done. Because it also, I believe, it prints the receipt too before if you, you get ask, your card. Yes, it does. Yeah. So you get your money, you get your receipt, you think the transaction's finished, and then your card is in the machine. It's okay. like, and it doesn't even like. I don't even think it makes like a very like big noise when it's like when it's about to when it ejects. It's like only slightly out, and you have to like yeah. yank it out. It doesn't like pop out. Yeah, and it's they don't do any like blinking stuff. And the machine doesn't tell you. It screams at you all the instructions from the beginning, <laughs> yeah. but then at the end, it just doesn't say it doesn't say anything. You just have to. It's like they just don't want you to have the card. Yep. Maybe it's part of their scheme. No, I think it's just poor planning. <laughs> so, uh, Nara, I understand that you also have a comment. I do. Us. I was very pleasantly surprised to get a comment this morning um, from one of my friends from high school who I haven't oh. heard from in forever. And her name is Laura. So, Nora and Laura. Um, and she <laughs> says... Nora, this is totally out of the blue, but I wanted to tell you that I listened to one of your podcasts the other evening. I had seen you post about it a few weeks ago and had meant to give it a try. 
lost my place. <laughs> I was doing some pretty boring work, so I'd multitask. It was really fun. I chose the one you did on having children in China. As a woman feeling that universal pressure, as well as being outside of the States, I could totally relate. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a shout out. And I have your page bookmarked and look forward to listening in more regularly. Wow. I'd love to get to China sometime, but since it's not in my near future, your podcast might be a fun substitute. Hope you're doing well. Oh, that's nice. So nice. So, so surprised. where does Laura live then? She says she's not in the U.S. now. She's lived in a lot of different places. She's a fellow nomad like me, but she lives, I believe she lives in Costa Rica. Mm, nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, maybe, been, she, maybe Laura should start a podcast for Costa Rica because I'll listen to that. Yeah? yeah? You want to know what life is like? Yeah, why not? Sure. Mm. La Playa? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> cool. So do we have a fact this week? We do. Sweet. So this fact is set in our city of Shenzhen, <gasps> which makes it even even more like crazy that this happened in somewhere so close to us. Mm. So um, basically, um, a guy gets his bike taken by the police. Mm -hmm. so, um, it's, so it's confiscated. And he goes to the police station to basically like negotiate to get his bike back. The police refuse to mm. give him the bike. Oh, I should probably, we should probably side note, it's illegal to ride a bike in Shenzhen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Funny. It's an e-bike, right? It just says motorbike. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. say e-bike, Okay, motorbike. Yeah. either way. Um, and basically, uh, he has his son, a young son with him, uh, nine, years, uh, nine years old. Um, and he basically, because the police don't give him his bike back, he basically leaves his son at the police station. Oh. Yeah. Just like... Yeah. Basically, he it's like a protest. He's nine, huh? Mm -hmm. It's like a protest. Like, you won't give me my bike back, I'm going to leave my son here. Like... What do you, you know, like, what? you need to deal with my son, like, you need to deal, you need to look after my son until you give my bike back. I'm trying to, to figure out if that is totally irresponsible and stupid or brilliant. Well, <laughs> I would say it was irresponsible because For sure. the kid, uh, the kid is called E. He, uh, apparently he was seen in the station. So the kid was just like at the station. Um, and... He he. So the plan, the father had actually planned this in advance, and uh, the boy said, told the police that his father had brought him and told him to stay for a few days. Oh. Right. <laughs> so basically, the police tried to contact his father. He said he refused to come and collect the boy. Um, and he said, this is a quote from the the article. I left my son there because I can barely make a living without my motorbike. The single father later explained, I wanted to push the traffic police a little bit and maybe would, they would return the bike to me. Hmm. So unfortunately though, when the guy goes back to collect his son, the police have moved him to a juvenile detention center. Oh. So it's kind of backfired on the guy. Like, I mean, I, I this is just one of, you know, the many stories that is just so wacky you can't really believe that it's happened mm -hmm. but it all also has like that kind of sad ending to it and you just think wow what a mistake to make you know mm -hmm. so we don't they don't know if the the guy will get his son back that's craziness yep oh yeah it's kind of sad it's like it's insane that it happened it's it, uh, if i'm 
judging it with my American perspective, mm. I think it's this father, I think basically if this situation were to occur, they wouldn't be punishing the son, they would be punishing the father. Oh, yeah. Because now the son is basically screwed, mm. right? Mm -hmm. He's got yeah, that on his like it. Yeah. record. I don't know how forgiving they are about records here. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they get wiped clean at 18 necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, man. Yeah, it says... Uh, the, the father may face a fine and detention for his attempt to use his own child as a bargaining chip. Oh, okay. I would agree with yeah. that ruling. But it's crazy, though. Like, this guy can't survive without his bike. So he's obviously struggling financially to begin with, and then he's going to be fined. Like, he obviously didn't consider the, the repercussions of this act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I don't even know what to say. Both, I'm speechless. Yeah, both of them are, you know, screwed, I guess. It's... It's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see if there are any updates on that case. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye. Keep her eyes peeled. For sure. Right. So, uh, let's move on to our question this week. So, last week, I think I mentioned uh, we'd had some posts on episode 27 from a guy called Stephen, who actually used to live in China. And I think from his comments that he's married to a Chinese lady. And so, his in-laws are still here and he comes back now and again okay so uh his question so uh, episode 27 was about uh chinese medicines and things like that so he was uh, he asked this is his question <laughs> let me just read his question <laughs> i was wondering if you have ever witnessed the eye exercises carried out each day in chinese schools mm. what are your thoughts on this and its impact on students health so I guess we, we need to kind of give a little bit of a background about the eye exercises. Mm -hmm. So actually, I've never seen this in real life, but I've, I, knew, I've, I knew that it happened. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've only ever worked as a teacher in a kindergarten and they don't do that there. Um, but basically, um, kids in like middle, sco middle schools and high uh, high schools do, do you know probably they, they basically do this this uh exercise in during recess um with their i guess with their fingers like i'm i can't show you of course but we've got a video so we'll put the yeah, video we've on got the a great video the guy on there is yeah he's great he shows all the exercises you can try and oh, i did right. them and they feel really good oh wow yeah because you know we work on the computer a lot mm. so it was nice to to have a break and actually mm. try them out and they felt really oh, good. Wow. So the whole point of this exercise is basically to prevent uh, short-sightedness mm. um, because basically Chinese kids spend so much time studying that they've noticed a huge like increase in short-sightedness mm. in, in, ch in children. And if it continues and they don't kind of try and reduce it then some kids can just like gradually become like blind basically mm. so that's the the idea behind these exercises whether or not they work is is something i'm not sure about i don't think i did a little bit of reading about this i don't i mean it's always advisable when you're working on something um you know staring at something at a close mm. range to take periodic breaks yeah to stare in the distance. And I think doing these eye exercises is also helpful. Okay. But I don't know if there are any conclusive studies mm. saying that, yes, it does prevent does nearsightedness. Yeah. 
but it definitely feels good and gives you a little bit of a break. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's got to have some, it's definitely got to have some benefits to okay. it. Cool. So you haven't seen any studies that say it has some strong correlation. Mm, and it certainly doesn't improve your eyesight. <laughs> but if you, if you find that your eyes get really tired after a long day at work, you can try breaking your day up and scheduling, watch the, the video and you can try it. It really feels good. And also, um, because the eye exercises also, they say they stimulate the chi in general. Oh, like right. some of them actually, because, you know, in Chinese medicine, they have a lot of these like, um, what do you call it? Like pressure point, mm -hmm. like acupuncture point, which controls other parts of the body. So apparently the tear ducts have a lot to do with inner chi. Oh. And then also some of the exercises really do like open and drain your sinuses. I'm sorry, creature. <laughs> that's that's so it's really cool. It's, yeah, it's very it's, it's interesting. Yeah, so sometimes because sometimes when you're staring at the computer, it's not just your eyes that are hurting. Sometimes you get a headache, and I think a lot of the times part of it is blocked sinuses. Mm. At least that's how I feel because yeah. we are in somewhat polluted yeah. conditions and we also have recirculated air mm -hmm. so i find that it helps a lot to, yeah. to do i'm gonna try them i haven't tried them personally yeah I watch just, the video it's I'll, just a I'll, couple I'll, minutes yeah. long I, I watched the so uh steven left a video is it the same one steven left or is it a different one i didn't you watch send me one. you sent me one yeah it's a different one okay so steven actually left a video on our episode 27 oh, okay um but we'll, I don't know, choose one or the other and post it. Um, and I watched the kids like do the exercises. It was pretty amusing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if it helps, it helps. For sure. Mm. So from Stephen's question, so we've pretty much answered that, that question there, but we wanted to talk more about schools in mm -hmm. China. So that's what our podcast is about today. Indeed, because there's a lot of different routines that they incorporate, not just the eye exercises, mm -hmm. which are unusual for us. And yeah. it's it's a good topic because Holly and I have both worked in schools in China. Mm -hmm. as, and many people listening out there may be interested in coming to China and their first job may be teaching yeah. or they may become serial teachers. <laughs> yeah. and um, I think it'll be good to give you guys some insights so other than the eye exercises Holly mm. what's another thing that the, the kids do in the morning okay so uh, I was working in a kindergarten but um, it's I understand it's kind of the same across you know higher level schools too uh, that you do some kind of morning exercise mm. so in the kindergarten it was like um the foreign teachers would kind of make some kind of dance routine to an English song <laughs> and stand at the front of the school, like, playground and do some dance, crazy dance. And the kids would have to learn the dance. Also, the Chinese teachers would have to do the same thing. It was often, uh, like, some silly little, like, romantic song and all these kids, like, doing crazy things with their hands, like, jazz hands, like... <laughs> Um, that sounds way less formal than when I was when at the you, middle school. Yeah. They were all lined on the field in perfect lines, like in blocks of 
by class. Yeah. And it was like more like a march like thing. Right. Everybody doing waving their arms and touching their toes. Oh yeah. And... Like a proper like exercise routine. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was always outside. Winter, oh, spring, yeah. summer, course, yeah. always outside. Well, apart from when it rained, and then they would kind of do it inside, sort of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that that the like routine is it just can't like seems to continue like not just in kindergarten which you can understand like get some exercise get yourself moving wake up a bit mm -hmm. but uh i don't i don't know for in kindergarten it felt like it was more of a face thing rather than to get the kids awake <laughs> you don't do that in the uk well they might do now but not when i was a kid <laughs> we did have to line up oh you did before yeah. school yeah but it was more because, you know, we were all rascals and racing around and they needed to get some order. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think we lined up, may oh, maybe we lined up when we were in, yeah, when we were in elementary school. Okay. But in middle school, I think you just show up. Well, elementary is how old? Up to about 10 or 11. Okay. So elementary is from kindergarten? Yeah, I would say okay. maybe from kindergarten or first grade till fifth grade. So until 10 or 11 years old. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Something like that. These, these, these elementary and everything, like... Sorry, what's I the primary? I know all the words, but the ages... Like, if someone says fifth grade to me, I'm like, what? I have no idea what that means. So like, what do you call the fifth year after kindergarten? We don't go to kindergarten. Oh. So we start at... We go to, like, at four, four you usually go to nursery. So at five you start school, and then from five to five to six, six seven or eight, you, you're in infant school. Then mm. juniors is till eleven, and then you go to senior school, which is eleven to sixteen, mm. and then college sixteen to eighteen. Okay, it's definitely different. It is different. Well, anyway, we're talking yeah, about China yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But I need I, it. Really, it's really hard for me to remember. Like, oh, how old are you when you go to elementary? How old are you when you go to middle school? You can like, just ask every time. Yeah, which is what I do and annoy everyone. <laughs> so, so another kind of uh, routine that uh, occurs in Chinese schools is the flag raising ceremony. Oh. In the kindergarten, it was done once a week on a Monday morning, and it was very official. Um, all the teachers had to line up at the back. We were the foreign teachers were constantly told off for chatting, not standing properly, you know, because basically everyone has to st stand, look look to the front, sing the national anthem, and uh, each week a different class. So bear in mind that in Chinese kindergartens, the kids start at like some of them are two years old, <laughs> and they're given. Uh, drum. Some of them are given drum kits. A few of them have to actually carry the flag, the the, the China, uh, the the flag, the flag of China. Mm. Um, and th there has to be like some kind of like uh, order. You know, they have to march together in time. Can you imagine getting a two-year-old to march in time with yeah. other two-year-olds? It's insane. And to <laughs> drum, to use a drum. I mean, in like with some kind of rhythm. That's pretty hilarious, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it was always. The highlight and also the worst point of the week for me. But <laughs> what about in other schools? Like you were in, were you in a high school or middle school? I was in a com. Well, it actually had all. It had primary, oh, high, middle, you? and high school. Interesting. But I was in the middle and high school section, and um, 
I I guess they did it on a regular basis, the flag raising. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I, I think so. Yeah, but um, I didn't start my classes until a bit later because they were out on the field at like six in the morning or six thirty in the morning. Wow. Which leads me to ask: When do class times usually start in it, China? I don't know. Actually, mm. uh, I all I found that. Yeah, something what you've just said. They were on the like basically their day would start at like six a.m. in the morning, mm-hmm. and they would go to bed at like eleven p.m. at night. Yeah, which I is think insane. It's true. I think if I remember, they got up at six because I remember that siren going off, and then six thirty they're on the field for their morning exercises, and and then by seven o'clock, I think at seven o'clock then they go for breakfast, wow. and then I think have they have a little bit of time to kind of wake themselves up and then I think they start classes eight at wow. eight. I believe that that's how it was at the school that I worked at in mm. Sichuan. Something I did read was that um, they have 11 classes a day. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. Yeah. When I was at school, we had five, between five and six classes, mm. which that was enough for us. I think we had seven or, or eight, like but they were short. They were only like 50, 40 minutes. Classes oh, or really? something like that. Oh, I was usually an hour, an hour and a half. And there were 10 minute breaks in between where you'd actually switch classrooms. So you get like, it doesn't feel so long because yeah, every 40 minutes you're switching classes. Whereas here they just stay there. They're just stuck in the same classroom for like 11 hours. Yeah. It's crazy. Ugh, it's so destroying. Insane. Mm. And then after school, they have homework crazy amounts of homework. And then they're all encouraged, <laughs> quote unquote, to study more, like mm. to make sure that they they spend every ounce of their time studying. Yes, I saw in doing some research for this the podcast, I came across a. I think actually you you read this as well, Nora. Um, it was basically like someone had written about their time at school. Mm. I can't remember the guy's name. I should have written it down really. Um, and he said that there was so much pressure put on students that the only place you could actually, so they were living in dormitories, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and the only the only place where there was a light after say 11 o'clock was in the toilet. Oh yeah. And there was a kid, so he in his dormitory, one kid would go into the toilet and still be studying like into the like early hours of the morning mm-hmm. because there was so much pressure. That's common. That's common. It was craziness. Yeah. That was an interesting uh, website mm-hmm. that uh, I came across. I read a quote from one of the sources that I found too that um, we'll put the links on the show mm-hmm. notes, writtenchinese.com slash episode 30. 30. Wow. Yeah. It's easy to remember. Um, and it was like, it was something that was hanging on the wall of the classroom, and it said, time is like a sponge. If you squeeze it, there's always more or something like that. Wow. There's always more water inside or something. Mm, I bet there's lots of that kind of thing on walls in schools. Yeah, like, they have a lot of loss. this, like, yeah. you know, big... I, we can you can yeah. look at the article on there. They have all this it's propaganda. Interesting. It's crazy. So what about yeah. extracurricular and after-school stuff? Uh, well, even in kindergarten, kids are being, I think you just used, encouraged <laughs> to participate in extra kinds of classes. Mm-hmm. Anything from music classes, like piano is pretty um, 
popularity, mm-hmm. um, chess, extra languages. Like English is usually, I think, is the most common language to take as an extra class. Mm-hmm. Um, even art, um, I used to uh, teach a, a boy of about 10 or 11. He was very talented mm-hmm. and his parents had encouraged him to take an, like an art class. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's like every night. Yeah. Even these these four, five, five-year-olds, every single night. Like, even nice things like, okay, even if the class is like dance class, mm-hmm. it's still a lot. Like, these kids don't get home to like 6, 6.30 on an evening. Like, five-year-old, that's insane. Mm-hmm. And the classes are really rigid, too. It's yeah. not like, oh, here's a set of watercolor paints and you can paint whatever your heart desires. Yeah, it's true. like draw this fruit perfectly yeah. and then color it in with these exact colors and if you make a mistake <laughs> and then, you know, this is wrong and this is wrong. Yeah. It's so intense. Mm-hmm. It just, you've just reminded me, I remember when I was, uh, when I was still teaching, um, I guess I must have given the, the kids like some animal to color in. And I remember one of the teachers coming to me and being like, oh, this isn't okay. You can't let them color in the elephant any color. I was like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> the children, yes, of course they can color the elephant any color they want, mm-hmm. but but that's not the color of an elephant. An elephant isn't blue or red or pink. Like they're expressing, no, just didn't get it. Didn't get that it was okay for, for them to color an elephant so pink or blue or whatever color. I've seen, I had a, for a while I was ha- having private lessons with a neighbor and she, so, her daughter was, I think, four when I started teaching her. Mm. And over the course of a few years, so I taught her for about two years on and off. I just saw all the creativity and life Drain. just get drained oh. out of her. Oh. Yeah. Gosh, that's so sad. Really sad. Really sad. It's crazy. Wow. But let's talk about the facilities at mm-hmm. school. Okie doke. So a lot of school, you might not know this, but a lot of schools in China are boarding schools. In fact, I would say maybe half or something like right. that are boarding schools. So the kids actually don't live near their parents. They live, and this is starting at middle school and sometimes mm. even elementary school. Yeah. They live um, maybe an hour or two driving distance mm. from from their parents. So uh, they see they go home on the weekends, but their weekends are usually cut really short. They don't have... It's not like they leave Friday and come back yeah. sat- Sunday night. They usually don't leave until Saturday. Because right. they- don't they have classes on a Saturday mm-hmm. morning as well? Mm-hmm. Maybe not primary school students, but right. definitely the high school students. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the high school students, they wouldn't even go home. Right. And usually when they go home, then their parents haven't seen them for a while. And they want to, um, I don't know, they- they're watching them do their homework mm-hmm. the whole time. And... They're giving them even more pressure, and it's, yeah, it's really intense. It's really intense. Yeah, sounds it. Mm-hmm. So the school you, I guess, was a, was a boarding school? Yep, yep. Yeah. There were a few students whose parents lived nearby, mm. but maybe 95% sure. of them did not. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a school near me, uh, uh, I guess a, a primary, middle, high school, and they, I know that's a boarding school, and they're like, they must live in like part of cabin type. Oh yeah, things. these dorms were really, really basic. Lot and lots of kids. They were like guys. army barracks, and <sighs> they they were like fenced in, so the grounds were actually pretty nice and relatively. I mean, this the school had six thousand students, Ooh. so it was relatively large campus. Yeah. 
but it was they were still like fenced in. They couldn't leave. The, they couldn't even they couldn't even leave the grounds to like go buy snacks and stuff. So they used to like throw their money over the fence to like get oh, people to like yeah, throw yeah, snacks back over because the vendors would come. They would come, yeah. Yeah, at certain times and. But it couldn't be regular, otherwise they'd be chased away by the security because this is also illegal. I mean, according to the school mm. rules, so so they'd be sneaking their money in the fe- through the fence and then getting wow. their snacks tossed over. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least there's some sense of rebellion there. Am I, am I like I feel as though if they're rebelling, it means that there's some sense of like individuality. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, so um, another facility or lack of facility is um, uh, air conditioning units and heat. Mm. Um, so in the, the kindergarten where I was, uh, we had AC, but it was very regulated. Like there mm. were rules for the air conditioning unit. Like it had to get over a certain temperature. I think it had to be 30 degrees, what, C, I guess? Yeah, degrees centigrade, yeah. Before they were allowed to turn the AC on. Mm. And it was hot. only allowed, yeah, oh. that's really hot. And for someone like me, who's, you know, summertime is 20 degrees. <laughs> like, that was hard work for, for, for that first summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, it's only allowed on between certain hours. During the lunchtime, the kids, bra- uh, the, the kids, like, go to sleep. So we would come back in and all the kids were, like, drenched, like, sweaty and clammy mm. and ugh. <laughs> it was pretty disgusting. Um, but in the winter time, winter comes along, there is no heat. Mm-hmm. Like this was a shock to the system for me. And the first winter I was here, I don't know if I was just adjusting or whether it was genuinely cold, but I basically lived in a jacket. Like I, I bought myself, I trapped myself to a, you know, like an aviator jacket. Oh, yeah. And I had a wool hat that my mom would give me. <laughs> I don't know why. And I just lived in those things for the whole winter. I think you do adjust to it because I don't. I don't think it's really gotten that much warmer. Or because, like for me, I mm. also thought the first my first year in China, the winter was the coldest. It was freezing, yeah. But it yeah. was a different year than your year. Yeah, but so for, I think yeah, yeah that you get kind of used to it because you're just sitting because there's no heat. Well, at least there's actually a line that the government has drawn on the map of China, which part of the country is considered southern China Uh, and which part is northern China. It's a very peculiar line. But anyway, um, those who are in southern China, which is, by the way, like half of China, do not have um, heat. Heat. Yeah. So none of the public buildings have Mm. heat. We have air con like everywhere pretty much now in the I'm talking about in like malls and and stuff like that and like taxis and stuff like that. But there's no heat. Yeah, and vice versa in the north, their heating is regulated. Mm. So only certain months of the year. And like, like after it some, gets to a certain yeah, yeah, I imagine there's like this huge like lever and someone just pulls it <laughs> and the whole the whole of the north on. has heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, what they do is they have these little um, hot water bottles, but they have like a little plug on them and you can plug them into the wall. It heats, I don't think it's water, I think it's like some kind of special liquid, and it heats up within, you know, 45 seconds or something, and mm. then you just carry that around with you at all times. I, I, I had one of those, but 
our friend Mimi had I bought some for her as well and hers exploded yeah mine exploded too I've had twice that I've exploded they're so dangerous so I've never used mine I have them but I was just too nervous to use it I I just use a straight up hot water yeah me too I have an old school one yep because I don't have heat in my house either no No one does (laughs) yeah so another peculiar thing oh I was going to mention one more thing about the facilities too is that I don't know how it was in the kindergarten, but in the school that I was in, they didn't have any doors on the bathroom stalls. They oh. were just open. For the kids. Which made things really awkward for like, me. For teachers? <laughs> for the teachers? Yeah. There was only one bathroom. There wasn't separate bathrooms. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, why? I have to no idea. To stop them doing stuff they shouldn't be I doing. guess they're not supposed to be hiding in there or... Well, they're not hiding, they're just having a wee. <laughs> I bet you though, if there are doors, these kids have no oh, privacy. I know, I know, I know, I know. But yeah, it was basically... The, in general, schools in China, they are... The, the standard is really, really basic, let's say. Mm. Let's say basic. Let's say basic. <laughs> yes. Hmm. And also, one interesting thing about the classroom environment is that they have these pictures of Sun Yat-sen and Mao Zedong and Zhou Enlai all plastered over. So these are like China's three top lead political mm. leaders, and they're just like blasted all over the walls. Nice. Yeah. No walked colors or nothing like that? No. No. Shame. No, they just have these f- fear you know, fear-invoking photos of these, yeah, guys. (laughs) Yeah, so um, let's talk about class sizes. Mm. So in private kindergartens, the class sizes are relatively small, I think. Um, You're looking at between 20 and 25 kids in a class, which isn't too bad. But in once you get to uh, middle school, um, you you could be looking at like sixty kids in a class, mm. which is insane. I, I can't even imagine what that's like for the kids or the teacher. Sorry about my chair. I remember. So I had I was a teacher at one of those schools that had sixty in a class. For the most part, they would divide the class into A and B. Oh. So they would like divide it into two pieces. Okay, that's not too bad then. Yeah. So like half of them would be getting the lesson and half of them would be studying, and then they would like switch. Or some of them had two teachers. Oh, okay. But when they had me, because there was only one of me, I yes. had all sixty at once. <laughs> I remember so clearly the week that they learned the F word. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> You try catching you, who's saying it in a class of 60 middle schoolers. How how do you deal with that? Like, I mean, I know, I understand that, of course, there's some, like, it's not like kids can really hide because everyone's, like, in in rows, right? It's very surprise, surprise, like, formulaic, and everyone's, like, got their own place. But how do you, how do you manage a class that size? Some of them were well-disciplined because they're always ranked by... Um, by aptitude. Okay. So, so the ones who are higher aptitude, yes, were usually much more disciplined. disciplined. So it was pretty okay. easy to teach them. They were actually engaged and had some fun with those classes. But the lower classes were um, a lot of times. I would just say, "Hey, you guys who want to learn, come, come to the front. Yeah. The rest of you guys go to the back and just be quiet." Like mm. so. And those who were for noisy, I would just throw them out of class. So you were allowed to do that as a teacher? I don't know what the rules were. That was just my method. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I 
we'll talk about it in a bit about teachers and what they're allowed to do and what they can't do mm. I guess for a foreign teacher it's different but yeah mm-hmm. having never te- taught in a anything higher than kindergarten I'm not really sure what you're allowed to do I I had no abs- I was reporting to no one <laughs> oh wow so it was just all up to me so I why had- do you bother <laughs> Yeah, actually, some some of the other teachers that were there would just, like, play cards with the kids all yeah, day or, like, just show nice movies one. every time, so. <laughs> anyway, we recommend your, you be a good teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the food. Oh, man. I don't know if you guys have ever been to prison, but this is how. <laughs> <laughs> are in prison now. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening. Send us a message. You're probably in a Norwegian jail, like, has, like, free <laughs> Wi-Fi and laptops for all. But anyway, uh, so uh, the food was pretty bad, eh? It was, um, it haunts me. No, <laughs> no it's, it's basically uh, rice and then some kind of a slimy vegetable soaked in grease grass and yep mm-hmm. and then some kind of a, a mystery meat Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and i remember once a month they would have dumplings Ooh. or like noodles that and was a treat that was a treat mm. and so that was the only time that i would go to the canteen i went to the canteen <sighs> for the first actually the breakfast was pretty good mm-hmm. the breakfast was like Fresh soy milk, which was really nice, which they serve warm and from a bowl. So you drink it in a bowl. Anyway, and then they always have these boiled eggs, boiled eggs. I wonder how many eggs are consumed in China on a daily basis. Wow, it's crazy. They love their eggs. And then they would have some kind of, um, so it was in Sichuan. So they had this like pao thai. It's like a pickled spicy vegetable. Mm. And then sometimes they would have like a sort of bread resembling substance yeah is it like that those buns where they 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 don't bake them they're like how, what do they do with them? steam steam thank you yeah they steam mm-hmm. steamed buns yeah yeah masquerading as bread pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah mm. so that was yeah food was definitely not and another interesting thing to note is that chinese people don't drink um they don't usually have drinks with their meals yeah they usually have soup on the mm-hmm. side but they don't there, there was no cups like we didn't ever have any you know there's no water to drink or juice or milk or anything like that it was mm-hmm. just always you could get a bowl of soup on the side i don't mind like i don't mind that when uh we would have lunch in the cafeteria at school like our food was was not bad i don't think um but yeah i kind of got used to the soup thing I, there was some times i actually really enjoyed it Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe I was just lucky. The soup thing was okay. I want to talk a little bit about school life and rules. Mm. Mm. So I was, because um, many of the middle school students that I was teaching, their language level wasn't very high. I didn't connect as much as I did with the high school students. So the high school students, I kind of watched them throughout mm. the year, how they changed and grew. And one interesting thing was that, um, I don't know, in in the U.S., high school and dating is ubiquitous. Like, everybody (laughs) starts dating and, you know, your whole life revolves around these relationships Mm -hmm. and who's dating who and who got dumped and, like, who's going to the prom with who. I've seen Mean Girls. (laughs) It's just, it's exactly like that, Holly. 
exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but in Chinese high schools, it's usually forbidden for them to have girlfriends and boyfriends, mm. which is nuts to me. It's nuts because, I mean, I understand why they're doing that. They're First of all, they're living away from their parents. It's not easy to control hormones of kids that age. So it's a very fine line between you know, appropriate and inappropriate. Mm. And also it's distracting from their studies. I think the the main reason they say is you should be focused on your studies. Yeah. But these kids, some some of them are like 17, yeah. 18 years old and they, I mean, come on. I'm cringing right now. You can't see me face, but I'm cringing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I would, I mean, do we, how do they go about like, forbidding these things like how do they do that like how do they make sure if they catch you they'll expel you wow really that serious yeah wow Mm -hmm. careful kids yep it's serious but i've seen like kids out and about with each other like maybe yeah i wonder if you oh no i guess i mean you're still part of the school even if you're outside of the school i guess and this one was uh you know supposedly higher caliber so there's 50 Mm. i think there's only there's only 50 some schools in China, which are like accredited language schools. And if you're talking about China's population, that is very few. So there was one Mm. in the whole province and that was the one I was teaching at. And so it was like the cream of the crop in terms of language students Mm. for Sichuan. And so probably the rules were a bit more strict for schools of that caliber. Right. So what did the kids tell you? Like, they just said that they were not allowed to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, they would still like write notes to each other, and they would tell <laughs> oh, me about their. Because I was kind, I'm like kind of like ghoul. Do you ever play tag as a kid? Yeah, but I don't know. What oh, okay. Is. So ghoul is like the safe zone. Oh. We so like the that. foreign teacher in the school is like ghoul, and I found oh. a lot of Chinese people find the foreigners here like ghoul. <laughs> okay. Because we're so we're not part of their. Um, I don't know, the the society here, really. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of Chinese people have opened up to me in a way, like very quickly yeah, in a way yeah, that's yeah. kind of shocking because they're usually, they're known to be very reserved people. Yeah. But I think a lot of them, they're just like bursting with stuff that they want mm-hmm. to say. And, and just, ask as well. Yeah, and ask and get off their chest. And so yeah. a lot of the times you get people who, who just tell you everything mm. because just because they feel that they can. Yeah. And I think the, like with asking questions as well, I think because we're more known for being open about things, I think they know that they can ask us a question. We'll probably be like, oh, yeah, this is how it is, <laughs> which is probably not how the, what, what the answer would be if mm. they asked a Chinese teacher. Oh, they, they wouldn't. They, they would wouldn't. never ask their Chinese teacher the kinds of questions I've been asked. <laughs> <laughs> Such as? Uh, well, do you really want to know? No, not no. no. Not on the air. <laughs> so, and uh, the learning method in Chinese schools mm. is also really shocking and it's part of, kind of part of the rule. So, the system in the States a lot of times tries to foster creativity and like practicality. You know, in our math classes, we learn stuff like balancing checkbooks and, you know, we're not really studying super complicated um, algorithms and like Mm. calculus. Uh, We tend to focus more on stuff that's practical. But in Chinese schools, you just, you have to learn the curriculum and you don't, you never ask why, like, why is this useful? You know, I remember in class every, 
know, everybody has that moment where they're like, why do I have to learn this? How is this going to help me in my life? Mm -hmm. But in China, that question does not, it's not an option to ask that question. It's just, here's a material, memorize it. Yeah, memorize is the right word Mm -hmm. to use. And if you haven't memorized it, memorize it again. Like, just keep trying (laughs) to memorize it. It's just rote memorization without questioning at all. Which is rough. Yeah, but I um so I still have a student and he's not even six yet. Actually six next week. And so he has so he, he'll have just finished kindergarten and he now knows how to read and write four hundred and fifty characters. Wow. I think that's pretty pretty impressive it and also is. like wow for a child that's not even six yet. Mm-hmm. And they don't even tend to, because as we're learning the Chinese characters as foreigners, we try to break them down and find the logic behind mm. it. Like, oh, this character has a, the wood radical and it has a shelter radical. And it mean, you know, mm-hmm. means something like, must be related to some kind of a wooden structure. But in, they just learn it by, I don't know how they, they just do it over and over and yeah. over again until they memorize how it's supposed to look. Bend onto the retinas yeah. or something. It's crazy. Mm. There's no, I guess that's kind of how you learn English, right? Because, I mean, you don't really think about the roots of the words. Yeah. You just, or you're given the definition and you learn the word. So maybe it's similar. But with such a pictographic language, yeah. you would think that they would have more, I don't know, it just would be easier to teach. Yeah, when there's that option as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I talking of, like, learning English, um, One, of, I think one of this, this, Mem- like this repetition and like memorization idea is difficult when, when it comes to learning English because there are so many students that have learned, only learned to read and write, but when it comes to speaking, they're they are unable to articulate themselves mm, well at all. A lot of Chinese. Yeah. They know SAT words, yeah. but they can't speak anything. Yeah. I mean, they can't really carry on a yeah. conversation. Some of the words they have to learn is like, they're like insane. I was helping a, uh, one of my neighbor's daughters. She, she was, I, I think she was 18. And um, I was giving her some help with like an assignment she'd written and we were like going through and she was asking like, what's this word? And I, I couldn't believe some of the words she had to learn. It was just insane. Like words that we just don't, day to day, we don't use. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you came across the word, there would be native speakers that would question the meaning of the word and how to use it in a sentence. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore craziness yeah for sure so uh something that uh chinese schools have i but i guess do you have these in the states like monitor class monitors no not even when you're in like law school like junior school junior, we what? had a thing called safety patrol oh that sounds interesting. so safety patrol was um after school after and before school okay they got these like orange, bright orange, like vests That's sort of thing, or like a sash or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were the ones who were helping kids cross the street. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So in China, they have class monitors. And these monitors are just like, they're basically like the telltales of the class. So you have class monitor, homework monitor, hygiene monitor, and politeness monitor. Wow. Yeah. Whoa, so, I didn't realize it was so, like, segmented. <laughs> it's insane. And, of course, like, politeness monitors are responsible for if anyone uses a bad word, they basically tell the teacher. Snitch. So, yeah, they're a snitch. <laughs> so I bet, you know, they, they are 
everyone's favourite child in the class, you know, they're your best friend, mm -hmm. not. <laughs> Take an apple for the teacher kind of kid, I imagine. I know um, this boy that, that uh, his parents encouraged him to take art class. He, that he he kind of told me once that they at the end of the semester they basically the teacher didn't do it. The kids all had to clean the classroom mm. like from top to bottom. Like everything had to be gotten rid of. They would throw things away. Like and the kids would actually clean the classroom from top to bottom. Mm. I'm just thinking of in, in like with hygiene, hygiene monitor, mm. you know, and certain kids were responsible for. That sounds like a punishment. Stuff. Yeah, in a way, but it was just like, just one of those things. Mm. And they went to, a, he, a, there were two boys. They went to like Shenzhen Experimental School, which was meant to be like, Yeah, wow, that's supposed to be new, one of the best. Impressive schools, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cool. Mm. It's interesting in Chinese, like the whole system is you know it's a very collective society and so you have these kind of like checks and balances to keep everybody functioning as a collective mm. whole and so they have these proverbs that they teach them for example the bird that flies out of its flock is the first targeted by hunters so it's the idea that you want you don't want to be too excellent nor too poor you want to stay pretty much exactly with the group. So, wow. yeah, so it's like they don't want, they don't encourage, you know, superior, you know, they don't want you to stick out. They just want you to, to stay as part of the group. Be normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just really interesting. It is, definitely. What about competition in general? I know it's really fierce. Yeah, so... Um, there's an exam that you may have heard about. It's it, it's every year, um, and every year there seems to be like some controversy over it because it's so like as Nora says, it's so competitive, and there's so much pressure put on on these on students to perform well. Uh, so that this exam is called the Gaokao, and basically it's an exam you need to take to apply for college or university, and it's basically the National Higher Education Entrance Examination. And um, it's, as I said, it's every year for two or three days, lasts for two or three days. And they um, take exams on Chinese language, language and literature, maths, a foreign language, usually English, and other subjects depending on what they will study in college or university. Mm -hmm. And I was reading that some, uh, oh wait, basically this examination will, uh, get you into a good college. It will determine so your whole future. It will determine future. your whole future, exactly, yeah. Um, but there's also another examination that you take in fifth grade. So that's 11, 11 years old? Um, yeah. 10, mm -hmm. 11. And so basically that's your, that, there's a lot of pressure in that fifth grade as well. So that examination will depend on which high school you go to. If you go and to high school at all. If you go to high school at all, yeah. Didn't you have a statistic? Yeah, I found this crazy statistic. <laughs> which, again, I'll put the source for the, some of the facts that I found. I have a couple interesting statistics mm. related to that. So only 30% of middle schoolers go on to high school. 30% go on to high school. Mm -hmm. And so then how, from there... That's 15 years old? 
think? Uh, middle school age, when they finish middle school. They're probably about 14 when they finish middle school. 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of, actually the majority of people in China do not have schooling beyond 13 or 14 years old. Which kind of puts things into perspective as to like why thing, why some things are the way they are, why some people are not as cued into what's happening around them. You know, we've, we've touched mm. on some issues, but it kind of puts that into perspective. Wow. Yeah, and it makes you wonder what happens to those other kids that don't go to high school. Mm-hmm. And then from there, very few. I don't have the, st- st- the statistic. Now I had a problem with that one, Sorry. too. <laughs> um, go on to to college. But I did read that in some villages, only one kid every 10 years goes to college. So the odds are very, wow. very slim. Yeah. Heck, that's amazing. Isn't it? It's really crazy. It's difficult for us to judge, really, isn't it? Like, we're in this city with a lot of, like, I guess a lot, a lot of, not a lot, but many of the people that we come in contact with must have gone to university because they have... Well, we're in a big city that's yeah, very exactly. affluent, so exactly. yeah, it's hard to judge. But I've met, for example, I have a close, I'm close with a family here who the parents are both judges on the high court in Shenzhen, so it's a very, um, very, yeah, this is, <laughs> talk about competition. They're both from a small village, and they get so much pressure because they're, they're two of the few to actually go on and become successful, mm-hmm. you know, on a national scale. And so they get lots of pressure whenever they go back to the village that they have to, like, supply the village, you know, like, donate money and, like, you know, set up these scholarship funds. So it's almost like you get penalized for being Mm. excellent in a way. So it's insane. Mm. And even down to – so it all kind of starts with the, the kindergarten level. I found this fact about Shenzhen, and, again, Shenzhen is one of the more affluent Uh, cities in China, and 73,000 of 135,000 children get spots in kindergartens each year. Yeah. So for the first year of kindergarten. So 73,000 of 135,000. So that is about half. Mm -hmm. So that means half of the kids won't get into kindergarten, which means they won't go on to primary school, which means middle school, which means blah, blah, blah. The population, the size of the population here is, it's, it's pretty much unfathomable, mm. really. Yeah, but yeah. And you that, start breaking down these numbers. Statistic, definitely, just, kind of. It's insane. Yeah, you can't really, I, right now, even though I can't even really, like, make sense of it. Well, half of it. If I have a kid and you have a kid, imagine one of them will go. Hmm. It'll be mine. <laughs> just kidding. Just Don't kidding. Don't even know Just yeah. kidding. I'll have two and then. One of them won't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, because by that point, you'll have some kind of guanxi with your school, so you can get the other one in as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about, uh, another thing about, I want just want to, back to the Gaokao examination. Yeah, yeah. So I was reading that there's so much pressure um, on kids, and it's also on the parents that parents actually take, like, the year off work. <gasps> They'll quit their job. To like, for a year? For a year to, like, make sure to their kid... To just nag the kid passes, every day? Passes the... Yeah, to... Well, yeah, or basically to study... Like, to make the kid study, basically. 
Wow. It's insane. So like, this year, or before this year's Gaokao examination, there was this big thing about them using, uh, wanting to use drones in, exam- in the examinations to prevent cheating. Because oh. now, like with all like electronic equipment, kids are like t- finding like crazy kind of like like little cameras and stuff mm. like taking in cameras or it disguised as like erasers and things like that oh, wow. yeah really like insane um and we live in Shenzhen, so i wouldn't be surprised that our local uh electronics market doesn't sell those things i would not be surprised mm. either yeah, so crazy. So what do they do? Have like an earpiece in and then like I, scan some, the question with the something camera, like that, and then yeah. their parents feed them the answer. Possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's always like after the questions, like or after the examinations, there's always like this massive thing on like Weibo. Weibo is like the China, Chinese Facebook, or something, like let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will kind of discuss the questions, and if they thought the questions were like unfair or you know, how, how people answered, it sounds like, I don't know, much worse than anything I've, any examination I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But, um, I did read kind of like, this kind of made me feel somewhat positive, kind of. <laughs> Basically, during the Gaokao period, um, society kind of like tries to help the students. So I was reading that... Um, there are like specified like quiet zones for people to oh, study. Yeah. But also, which surprises me, and I don't know if this happens in Shenzhen because I've never seen it. Uh, taxi drivers will like take ferry students like to make sure they don't miss an examination, stuff like that. Mm. And, and police officers wow. you know, will help the students get to the examination on time. So much pressure. <laughs> yeah. It's craziness. Yes. So. so what about the teachers? Do oh. do you, I mean, you, you were teaching for a bit longer than I was, mm-hmm. so you have a little bit more insight into the teachers. teachers. Yeah. So um, one thing that, uh, I mean, apart from the enormous pressure that I knew they were under, um, I was, oh, the longer I got, the more like I was informed of things, I guess. And... We had a new principal at one point who started to find the teachers. Mm. So they were fined for um, how well the kids were doing, oh. which is something across, like, apparently this is something that happens in, in a lot of schools, especially in, like, high schools and middle really? schools. Yeah. So it's, you know, how, how well the kids are, the, the levels that they're, they're meeting. But also in our school, they... They were fined for attendance. So if a kid was off for like a certain amount, a certain percentage of time, that must mean that the child is not happy at school. What? So yeah, so the teachers were fined. Oh my! Yeah, that is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the teachers were then pressured, had more pressure on them to talk to the parents, to ask the parents to try and uh, like. If so, basically in our school, I don't know if this is the same everywhere. You paid for like a month, but if your kid was like sick, for example, for two weeks, you could claim two weeks of the uh, of your fee back. Uh. So if it was sickness, you could claim the sickness fee back. So in turn, the the, the teacher wouldn't have to pay the fine because the kid was sick and not unhappy. 
Wow. It's like, it's insane. It's like such a screwed up method of, of, of salary. Mm. But and they have a lot of pressure keeping the parents happy. Mm. Yes. Too, right? I yeah. mean, there's, they should keep the kids happy. Like they're almost under the mercy of the students because if the students complain to their parents yeah. and the parents aren't happy, then the parents will talk to the school and they'll get fired. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, There's a, especially in the kindergartens, there's always a lot of sucking up. Yeah. Like you could t- tell there was parents that obviously had some kind of hold on the teachers, whether it was because they'd given them some kind of hongbao or gift mm-hmm. or because they had a relationship with the boss, the principal, other teachers. Um, they had to be careful what they said. You could, you know, things, or you, you weren't allowed to mention this in front of certain children, especially when their English got better, when they were like five and six sometimes. Mm-hmm. They were picking was, some things yeah, up. Yeah, they would pick things up and go home and tell parents so you had to watch what you said. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was, there was pressure on the, uh, always, like, to make it seem like they were doing, the kids were doing well. Yeah. So, it was, I think it was always good for the teachers in a way that I couldn't speak Chinese because, bad for me, because I could never defend myself, but if anything happened, the teachers could always kind of, like, make say it in a way where like blaming you blaming me or <laughs> or changing something like I remember in so the last year when I was teaching um the kids were starting to do writing and stuff and so we'd started to we gave them like a really simple like nice worksheet that was like ants and they, had, they could color in the ants and the apple and just draw a simple like letter a and we showed the shortly afterwards, this was the beginning of the semester, the parents came for a big like parents meeting. Um, and basically some of the parents and these parents happened to be parents of children who were much younger. So that this is an, a crazy thing. Like some children will be way older than because the parents want the kids to like to to. Uh, to be the best, to be the top mm-hmm. of the class. But then there are kids who are like sometimes a year and a half younger mm-hmm. and they're obviously not going to be able to r- write a letter. Yeah, when you're that young. Exactly. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So I remember I had twins who were probably the two youngest students and obviously their writing wasn't very good at all. Mm. And the parents stood up and said, we don't like this. It's too much pressure on the kids. We don't want writing. Like it's part of the curriculum. Like mm. you've all agreed to this. Like at this level, they should they can start to like it's just lines. There's no pressure. They're not doing like the Chinese way where they have to write five thousand letter A's. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice like little you know worksheet. No, it's too much pressure. And like sheep, they all stood up and said, "Oh yeah, we agree. We don't want writing. No writing." Oh jeez, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, I, I read actually about uh, head teachers. This is not something I've I've ever heard about. So, relating back to the Gaokao examination, there were student, there were head teachers who had so much pressure on them for results that they would ask some students to like step down if they were like the lower at the lower end of the scale and they were unlikely to pass. They would ask, you know, those students, please don't take the examination. Mm. 
because if there was a high percentage of failures in the in the their school, then they would probably get the job. Yep. Oh, it's nuts. I found this yeah. interesting quote uh, about teachers. I thought was pretty funny and accurate. I'll put the the link also in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But it said. The teaching style is for teachers in China is a mix between army training sergeants and Amway salesmen. <laughs> Amway. Remind me what that is. They're like door to door, you know, like I think it's household cleaning. It sounds stuff. very they're very aggressive, mm. you know, salespeople. Okay. <laughs> the name rings a bell to me. I just wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so army training sergeants. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a lot of encouragement, I don't think. Is no, there like No, there's just discipline. Yeah. It's just slaps on the wrist for doing mm. wrong things, but not a whole there's right. a lot more stick than carrot, let's say. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think kids are like no they were or students, sorry. They were like a very I mean we kind of mentioned it earlier, very restricted about what they could say to the teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be you just don't ask a you don't ask questions because the teacher might humiliate you or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. So I hope you guys learned a little bit about I did <laughs> yeah, schools in China and what it's like here. Mm-hmm. And also check out, don't forget to check out the show notes so you can get your eye exercises and alleviate <laughs> yeah, well, some eye strain if you're staring at the computer too much, which mm-hmm. all of us do nowadays. <laughs> In this year, 2015. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our show notes will be on writtenchinese.com slash episode 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now do we have a word of the week? Of course. And it's school. Ooh. So to say school in Chinese is 学校. 学校. So it's a uh, Actually, 学生 is student. 学校 is school. Mm-hmm. 学 means to learn. So it's, it's connected. Very cool. It's connected. We'll like put it. the links to those characters on the show notes too, right? We certainly will. Excellent. Yeah. And next week's going to be my big 3-0 birthday. So we're going to try and give away some free stuff. Yeah. So listen in to episode 31 coming next week. Mm-hmm. And also don't forget to leave us a review if possible. It would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, and keep coming with your questions. For sure. Like, you. I mean... I'm just so surprised at how, like, the variety of questions that you've come up with. And, uh, like, not not like I didn't expect you to. <laughs> but it's been really nice to answer, like, loads of different questions. So you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail to leave us a spoken message. Or you can do the same as Stephen and just leave us a message on our uh, show notes page or on Facebook. Um, our Two White Chicks page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. We're looking forward to hearing from you guys. Definitely. Have a nice week. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.